Garberville. Just Garberville. KMUE, Eureka, Arcata, Crescent City, 88.1 FM, KLAI, Laytonville, Willits, Fort Bragg, 90.3 FM, on the web at kmud.org, and Shelter Cove is at 99.5. Hats off to our underwriting specialist. I think that's Patricia these days because we've got a nice full-fledged roster of underwriters for that last hour. Hooray, hooray. But this is actually one of our most popular and listened to literally around the globe shows here on Redwood Community Radio. It is rebroadcast on other stations. It is on the web with thousands of views on YouTube. Every single show, now is the time you want your product or service to be in front of the KMUD listening community because this one really reaches wide. So call up the office, 923-2513 during business hours. Ask for Patricia. And get your message out to the KMUD listening community. And we have the Herb Doctors. Well, welcome to this month's February 18th, 2022 edition of Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. For those of you who perhaps have never listened to the shows before, we run them every third Friday of the month from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. with the chance to call in live to ask questions related to the show from 7.30 until 8 o'clock. The number, 707-923-3911. And the shows, just uh, so people know, they are recorded. Uh, KMUD hold the archives for two months now. It used to be longer, but two months is the main time that people can access the archives. Uh, Friday night, Talk is the name of the subject, uh, is the name of the show. And if you look at the third Friday uh, of any given month when you're looking on kmud.org under the audio archive tab, the Friday night talk is the drop down that you want to select and then choose the third Friday that's relevant. And then you can download or listen to the show. Our website, westernbotanicalmedicine.com, has the shows from 2008 through till 2019 or 20, I believe. I uh, still have yet to put up at least another 15 shows, most of which actually covered all of the COVID uh, debacle, uh, which uh, fortunately, as far as I'm concerned, and Dr. Pete is concerned, and we have unanimously been concerned about since February uh, of 2020, is a nothing burger and uh, has now, I think, hopefully fizzled into the the past anyway so the website has um plenty of the shows archived on our website from 2009 until 18 months ago or so 
hopefully we'll get the remaining shows put up uh, it's not lack of interest it's just lack of time so uh, excuse me for that anyway uh, we can be reached anytime after the show um, either call 888-WBM-HERB or email myself or Sarah Andrew or Sarah at westernbotanicalmedicine.com for any questions related to anything we've discussed or if you have any other questions related to anything uh, that we've previously talked about or if you have questions about anything we haven't talked about and you're uh, inquiring about alternatives for it. And that's the uh, title of the show, Ask Your Herb Doctor. Primarily, uh, we are both licensed practitioners of herbal medicine. Um, we qualified in England uh, in 2000 and 1999 uh, and been practicing herbal medicine ever since and uh, been very pleased to discover uh, Dr. Raymond Pete back in 2008 uh, and very serendipitously through a actually as it were cancer patient a breast cancer patient who was actually a survivor and was just lauding Dr. Pete and um, praising him and his protocols up one side and down the other it certainly piqued my wife's interest and so she made contact and um the rest is history, and uh, Dr. Pete has been very kindly sharing his time uh, pretty much every third Friday of the month for <laughs> about 11 years now. So, uh, Dr. Pete, uh, perhaps um, if you could introduce yourself uh, before we get into the subject of this evening, which is going to be, uh, hopefully the bulk of the show is going to be on the science and the principles behind what has now been shown um, to be a mechanistic determinant of cancer uh, and it's described as mTOR, mTOR1 and mTOR2 the, um, and we'll get into all the biology of it, how it was discovered uh, and then in from the early 90s um, how it's been targeted and implicated in the suppression of cancer uh, through its activities that Dr. Pete will totally outline very scientifically and very factually for us as the show always wants to be factual and scientifically relevant not just hearsay or uh, you know opinions so everything that we talk about is very much referenced and Dr. Pete's entire work and life is based on fully referenced um, articles and journals that he writes as well as the books uh, and everything we discuss is very much grounded in science um, as was not to put too fine a point on it the entire Covid debacle uh, and it's very questionable and dubious uh, origins background and modus operandi so without further ado Dr. Pete would you let people know uh, who you are, what your academic and scientific background is, and then uh, I'd like to ask you some questions. Okay. Uh, after uh, studying and teaching for uh, about 10 years in the humanities, I decided to go back to graduate school at University of Oregon uh, for a Ph.D. in uh, biology, reproductive physiology, and biochemistry. And uh, since 1972... Uh, I've been uh, uh, doing a lot of uh, personal consulting and uh, for 40 years since uh, uh, 1981 uh, I've been doing a newsletter at first every month uh, for uh, about uh, 20 years uh, and now it's uh, quarterly uh, so it's more, more or less uh, developing themes that relate to health and aging, fertility, and the nature of life. Okay. So very much the background of your life, from my understanding, was the scientific investigation into aging and reproduction with the reproduction, um, the biological reproduction uh faction or, or branch of university studies at that time being not so entrenched in dogma and repeating the same mistakes but actually being uh, inquiring in a, in a very scientific way to try and find the answers to things um, but you obviously found opposition from entrenched theo uh, dogmas and ideologies especially um, and it's come out time and time again the estrogen industry uh, and also the um, ubiquitous use of seed oils in foods uh, both for human and animal um, but what I what I think is certainly most interesting is that you've always looked deeper into the 
cause and effect of what we are taught and um, yeah uh, yeah the reason I waited until 1968 to do any academic study in biology was that already in the late 1940s and 50s I had decided that it was based on fraudulent make-believe science genetics if you really read the classical papers that molecular biology is based on uh, there's just no real science there it's a belief uh, attaching uh, experiments to the belief but uh, it wouldn't convince anyone who wasn't already convinced that uh, the organism is made up by a reductionist uh, unchanging units called genes. I, I'd like to jump in for a second because I was so excited to extol how great it would be to underwrite on the show that I forgot to read the disclaimer, which states that the views and opinions expressed throughout the broadcast day are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of the station, its staff, or underwriters. Time will be made available for other viewpoints. Thank you for joining us. Okay, so, um, Dr. P, I think just to clear up and finish up um, some of the articles that I'd pulled out for questioning you about, actually, in the last two months that I never got around to, um, before we get into the topic of uh, this evening and the discovery of uh, rapamycin and how that has all unfolded uh, into what is being um, termed a kind of novel discovery, uh, whether or not it's that novel, I don't know, but it, in terms of its discovery for use in cancer, um, and your uh, very firmly held beliefs about estrogen and the unscrupulous estrogen industry pushing estrogen and how estrogen is very much in the scientific literature as the prime and causative factor behind many different cancers, not just reproductive cancers, but other cancers, and how the inflammatory effects of estrogen uh, trigger uh, excitotoxic states within cells. They disorganize their energy. They waste their energy uh, and allow the spontaneous uh, tumor to arise and propagate and proliferate. Um, and how I know that you've been a big advocate obviously for those reasons of the antithesis of estrogen which is progesterone and the uh, the female obviously enjoying 14 days of progesterone exposure per month from uh, beginning of menstrual cycle until the menopause uh, has a very good chance perhaps especially if they are uh, breeding and have fairly successful and repeat pregnancies um, by that exposure to all their progesterone of having a decreased chance of getting hormone-dependent estrogen cancers. Uh, yeah, or having a child fairly early in life is a, a huge protection against getting cancer. Uh, and animal studies show that if a rabbit, for example, is bred starting early and is often as it can for the rest of its life, its tissues at any uh, old age are much younger than if it had been a virgin all those years. And that was backed up by looking at the uh, relation uh, between the number of children up to eight per woman, per woman in uh, Hungary and there was a straight increase in longevity uh, with the number of babies up up to eight. Uh, the, the, the other thing I just want to remind people that are listening, um, I don't want to be uh, too obvious, but I think most people's misconception uh, surrounding estrogen is that it's a female hormone, uh, which is completely untrue, and males are also subject to the effects of estrogen, especially with aging. And um, in England, obviously, from the kind of pub culture uh, of drinking beer, uh, being firmly entrenched soci socially, um, 
as males get older, you have this gynecomastia, which is a term given to male breast enlargement or male breast tissue enlargement, as well as the kind of belly fat, uh, which most people would look at um, as a quote-unquote sign of poor health. But this is very much an outward expression in a male of estrogen dominance, and it's the testosterone that can get converted to um Estrogen and uh, and uh, old men uh, typically have more estrogen than women. That's not, not just <laughs> yeah. the ratio, but uh, their testosterone is being massively converted to uh, estrogen by the time they're sixty-five or seventy. So, so the, the the fact that this enzyme aromatase, which um, I, I know we studied when we were doing our degree in herbal medicine. Um, that est- the, uh, this enzyme aromatase is actually expressed in many different cells in the body. It's not just a central expression. It's, it's within the liver, uh, the placenta in female, uh, in bones, and in breast tissue. But this itself um, can get conver- can convert testosterone to uh, an estrone and be part and parcel why blocking. Um, this, this enzyme can be so important in reducing the potential of estrogen dominance or estrogen production uh, beyond background physiological levels that would be good if you were healthy. Uh, in the early 1940s, uh, one experimenter uh, implanted a very, very small dose of uh, uh, estrogen in animals that had their uh, ovaries removed. And the tiniest amount of uninterrupted estrogen produced cancer in every tissue. But if you interrupted it periodically, even a large amount of estrogen didn't lead to cancer, uh, the same as the aging uh, rabbits or Hungarian women. Uh, the uh, quantity and uh, regularity of the uh, progesterone interruption of estrogen just about completely protects the development of cancer. So, so this is precisely why if women have multiple pregnancies, they are statistically much less likely to present with estrogen-related cancers. Yeah, and all of their tissues are stronger. Yeah. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor, KMD Galbaville, 91.1 FM. From 7.30 to 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with questions. The number is... 707-923-3911. So we'll take calls from 7.30 until 8 o'clock. I think without going too much uh, more into a few of the things that we hadn't mentioned, I just wanted to reiterate again that it's not just females that produce estrogen. It's very much uh, a male thing as well. And estrogen in males very much, again, is a trigger and a promoter of cancer. So g- getting on to what I think will take more than this month's uh, discussion and probably roll over into next month is the activity of this uh, enzyme, uh, mTOR. And uh, this was described with both two ways, as either the mammalian target of rapamycin, um, and I'll ask you to describe like the antibiotic effect of rapamycin and its anti-cancer activity and others have described it as the mechanistic target of rapamycin and very briefly there are two uh, subclades if you like of of mTOR, mTOR1 and mTOR2 and uh, I think really what I'd like to get into after you've described the activity of mTOR and or its discovery uh, is basically how what you have said for a long, long time now in terms of dietary advice, especially with emphasis on very small amounts of muscle meat and, and preferably not in isolation and uh, being a big advocate of orange juice, which is extremely low in, in the two amino acids implicated uh, in this process that you'll describe, um, how dietarily, as well as I want to bring out a lot of different herb components which block mTOR uh, as well as some drugs that have been used now and produced by pharmaceutical companies to block mTOR uh, and how this anti-cancer activity of blocking this particular uh, process is 
very much rooted in science and is a very uh, very plausible way of blocking uh, cancer's reproduction and the kind of autophagy that would happen in under normal circumstances. So, would you like to just describe uh, mTOR, its its uh, discovery and or um, what's happened since 1990, 1993? Uh, this particular endogatic uh, was uh, used as a fungus killer. It's a uh, a broad spectrum, but especially effective against fungus, and it happens to be in the same family of antibiotics as azithromycin and erythromycin, clarithromycin, and so on. Uh, it's a ring structure, uh, and those are known to have a very amazing spectrum of activity. Uh, when people reported that COVID was being cured with a combination of hydroxychloroquine, I think it was, with azithromycin. Mm -hmm. They were ridiculed because everyone said antibiotics only kill bacteria. But in fact, this class of antibiotics happens to kill viruses as well as fungus. Uh, and so uh, the, the, the actual uh, knowledge about uh, antibiotics and, and fungus and uh, viruses uh, was actively suppressed uh, in favor of uh, pharmaceutical uh, special antiviral drugs, which uh, happen to be mutagens in general. Uh, the after it was discovered to be a great treatment for fungus infections, it was found to have many other effects, anti-inflammatory effects, which are their typical effects of that family, azithromycin, for example. And in exploring how the anti-inflammatory effect works, uh, they uh, found that it was acting on a particular uh, uh, kinase, uh, an enzyme that attaches uh, uh, phosphate groups to particular uh, 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 enzymes and functional proteins. Uh, and the phosphorylation directs it towards a growth and inflammation, and they found that the antibiotic inhibiting this particular kind of phosphorylating enzyme extended lifespan drastically and reduced cancer and inflammatory diseases. The... The um, wastage of energy is one of the things in common with uh, the inflammatory diseases, aging, diabetes, and cancer. And the uh, the mTOR, the target of, of this antibiotic, rapamycin, which is also also called uh, serolimus, uh, uh, the, uh, it, uh, in activating uh, uh, growth, it's uh, uh, controlling the energy flow and uh, an abundance of energy intake in general, but especially fats and, and proteins are the normal activators of uh, mTOR complex number one. Our growth hormone is a major activator of uh, mTOR complex two, which is insensitive to the antibiotics. Uh, so uh, for matters of diet and treatment, the attention is mostly on 
uh, mTOR complex one uh, because uh, there are so many uh, foods and substances that activate it and others that inactivate it that support the uh, uh, rapamycin uh, inhibitor. Uh, It turns out that not only methionine and some other essential amino acids, uh, methionine is probably the uh, main activator of of the mTOR, but uh, meat, for example, besides being a major source of methionine, it's also a major source of iron and phosphate. And it happens that both iron and phosphate are activators of mTOR, complex number one. And milk, although it contains a lot of methionine, it happens that parathyroid hormone is an activator of mTOR. And milk, high calcium content working with vitamin D is the main thing that lowers parathyroid hormone. And so milk contains its own antidote working against the toxic effects of methionine in the great concentration of calcium and the very low concentration of phosphate and iron. Hi, can I, sorry, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah, go ahead. So, um, Dr. P and Andrew, are you suggesting that mTOR is a trigger for cancer? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, cancer, inflammation, and aging. Yeah, degeneration. Like arthritis and diabetes and osteoporosis. So, Uh, mTOR... Autoimmune diseases. It's also, and I was going to get this question out a little bit later on, Dr. Pete, but also noted in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's from the uh, amyloid and the neurofibrillary tangles that ensue. But I'd like to ask you that a bit later. Okay, so I'm just trying to um, understand this myself and also hopefully help the listeners a little bit. Basically, what you're saying is this rapamycin that was discovered, and that's spelled R-A-P-O-M-Y-C-I-N, yeah. is an antifungal antibiotic that blocks mTOR. Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah. And, it is, and so, therefore, they're finding anti-cancer benefits of the rapamycin because it's, it's blocking the yeah. mTOR. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's now used, or, or derivatives, similar things are used in treating various cancers, uh, breast cancer, of pancreas cancer and so Prostate on. Prostate cancer, yeah. Wonderful. And is it true that they found it on Rapa Nui? Yeah. In a soil uh, yeah. sample? <laughs> Easter Island. Yep. Yeah, in Easter Island, the, um, the they found the rapamycin in a soil sample? Yep. And so they... they okay, used... sorry. Sorry to interrupt there, but I just that's, was trying to follow along here. That's and fine. Uh, they, make they sure I'm understanding properly. The... Yeah, they used the first part of the uh, name Rapa Nui. Uh, they used the Rapa and then mycin, uh, the uh, suffix for those antibiotics like erythromycin and azithromycin, which Dr. Pete mentioned uh, beginningly. The Both of those two are very safe. I know you recommend um, erythromycin uh, as a very well-tried and true antibiotic with a very good safety profile. Um how do you feel about azithromycin, just out of curiosity? Everything, I, I've never used it myself, but it seems to be pretty much equivalent to erythro. Right. I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I don't believe that hardly anybody has prescribed erythromycin. I think azithro is still fairly uh, widely used. Azithromax, I think, is one of the... Uh, yeah, generic. it's a matter of patents and profit. Yeah, okay. And then, so what are they... Are they Using uh, rapamycin as an antibiotic and as an antifungal, as well as an anti-cancer treatment. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, it's it's still widely used for treating fungus. Do Do you know if it's uh, actually used in targeting uh, prostate cancer and or uh, kidney uh, yeah, cancer? Prostate and breast, I think, are the main things it's used for. But a, a variety 
of cancer seem to respond just as well. Right. But the, the main thrust of this discussion really is about the uh, potential use of uh, substances, whether they're drugs or phytochemicals, uh, that would actually block uh, the production or the use of M. Uh, mTOR and how that could be used in a you know in a dietary uh, perspective uh, as a treatment rationale to to live by to increase your chances of not uh, producing cancers and having uh, an immune system that was actively seeking out and destroying uh, errant aberrant cells the uh, uh, coffee as a source of uh Flavonoids like quercetin, mm -hmm. it also has caffeine. Both of those are anti-mTOR agents. Uh, orange juice and other fruits are very effective flavonoid sources for reducing mTOR. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Web Doctor, KMBD Galbaville, 91.1 FM. From now until 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with questions. The number is 707-923-3911. And we'll take callers from now until 8 o'clock, or well, 5 to 8. <laughs> you're waving your hand. What's going on? <laughs> I have a question as a caller, but my eight-second lag before everyone else. Thank you so much for covering this subject because this is something I'm actually very interested in on my own. And you started giving a list of foods that both support you know, more bad mTOR and reduce it. So I'd love more of a list of those foods and neutral foods. Yeah. But also I learned a bunch about the metabolism of estrogen and different foods that switch your metabolism. So the, the byproduct is, I believe it was 16 delta estrone, and that was protective or maybe just not as bad. And there's other pathways that have very bad ones. And the only one I remembered was broccoli extract or the broccoli sprout extract. I was curious for... Foods that would help men if they are converting their testosterone to estrogen so that are the same foods going to make the same less bad byproducts from the estrones? And also, are there any foods that could get men to convert their testosterone to progesterone or also women so to mm -hmm. move it back to progesterone? How, how about that back conversion then, Dr. Pete? From I, I don't think it can happen. Right. <laughs> Progesterone is a precursor to the uh, uh, glucocorticoids like cortisol, uh, but it doesn't go down the pathway towards uh, either testosterone or estrogen. Uh, the precursor to those is DHEA. So how about the uh, aromatase inhibitors or anything that you have as a kind of favorite in terms of potentially blocking estrogen production from... Just about everything that's good for you tends to inhibit uh, uh, the aromatase uh, because it's activated by stress, cortisol, prostaglandins, for example, uh, and inhibited uh, by pro progesterone. Uh, it's uh, uh, all of the things associated with inflammation and degeneration, for example, uh, angiotensin, uh, which uh, contributes to aneurysms, for example, and uh, 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 all of the degenerative diseases. Uh, it's working through mTOR. And so if you block angiotensin, you're helping to lower mTOR. And uh, all of the estrogens and estrogenic substances promote mTOR, uh, progesterone inhibits it. So do you think that even the, um, like Michael was mentioning, our engineer, the estrone and the, because estradiol is the very strong one, so the estrone is weaker than estradiol. Uh, yeah, progesterone. So do you think that uh, uh, they, all they all stimulate mTOR? Is that what you're saying, even the weaker estrogens? Uh, uh, yeah, they all add up to the same estrogen effect, but uh, estradiol is uh, at least 10 times stronger than the next uh, estriol, for example. Okay. And it happens that progesterone uh, activates the uh, conversion of estradiol if it exists and hasn't 
had the, the uh, aromatase blocked by progesterone. Uh, the existing estradiol is prevented from uh, uh, being uh, replaced. Uh, progesterone activates the detoxifying enzymes, a whole system that uh, adds either glucuronic acid or sulf sulfuric acid to the estrogen so that it can be excreted, and it blocks the uh, enzyme that would turn estrone into estradiol uh, and, and uh, favors the conversion of estradiol to estrone, the in inactive uh, form. Uh, so, uh, so it's working on three different pathways to help block the estradiol, which is the most toxic carcinogenic, uh, yeah, it's inflammatory several, estrogen. Several separate uh, pathways that all uh, coincide with uh, an anti-estrogen effect of, of progesterone. Uh, another uh, uh, mechanism is that progesterone breaks down the uh, so-called estrogen receptor. Okay. And so, yeah. do you recommend? Sorry to interrupt again yeah. here, but right. do you recommend for men who are converting their testosterone into estradiol to use uh, progesterone? Uh, coffee and progesterone and flavonoids and and aspirin is a major mTOR inhibitor, uh, uh, aromatase inhibitor, and so on. So you're, you're just saying essentially that most of what we would understand as anti-inflammatories will have that same blocking activity because it interrupts that cell cycle which leads to uh, the inflammation and the promotion and or increase uh, conversion to those inflammatory estrone products. Not everything. Uh, for example, Tylenol. No. Doctors no. Okay. have been taught to prescribe instead no. of aspirin. Yeah. Aspirin has been demonized so that they can sell more Tylenol, but in, in fact, as Tylenol activates mTOR, uh, it increases all of those inflammatory degenerative processes, yeah. and its antagonist is uh, the antidote for Tylenol is aspirin. I should have I should have couched that uh, sentence prior to saying anti-inflammatories with the anti-inflammatories that we recommend. <laughs> okay, is and well, so, also, well, I was going to yeah, ask. I a, just want to. Sorry, you go ahead, Sarah. Go ahead, Michael. Sarah. Okay, I just want to mention that with um, these uh, quote anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen and Tylenol, they actually increase your risk of stroke. They do not decrease it like aspirin does. Uh, it, yeah. A little aspirin. side note. Because it's working at such a basic level, uh, it you really can't count the beneficial effects of aspirin. And so, would glutathione uh, be as bad as metho uh, methanone? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, too much glutathione activates M4. Okay, so you, uh, I think when we first uh, started talking about this as a subject, the uh, two amino acids that. Uh, principally seem to be activating it um, were methionine and leucine. I think I'd like to get into a discussion then perhaps about um, calorie restriction and, and methionine restriction and how we could potentially uh, achieve that with uh, a good diet. But I also wanted to make sure that people that were listening uh, understood that the term flavonoids is a very round term for a lot of um, pigmented uh, agents that color fruits and vegetables and how supreme uh, these flavonoids are at fighting cancers and being anti-inflammatory and directly blocking mTOR uh, activity. So I wanted just to mention, and we've mentioned this before, in, in, in context to COVID and the anti-inflammatory effects of some of these herbs in terms of uh, the treatment of COVID and its anti-inflammatory uh, activity. Things like um, epigallocatechin uh, gallate uh, from green tea, uh, 
EGCG is one of those common things you'll find in powders or you can just do it directly from green tea and then caffeine as Dr. Peets mentioned uh, another uh, flavonoid that is useful for blocking mTOR as well as being generally anti-inflammatory curcuma and the curcumin from curcuma also another excellent blocker of both those two pathways and then from turmeric sorry can I just interrupt you real quickly Mm -hmm. Andrew just for our listeners, we're talking about the flavonoids that are going to be blocking this carcinogenic substance called mTOR. And if you haven't heard of mTOR, it's a lowercase m and an uppercase t-o-r. Okay. Okay, so, sorry, carry on, Andrew. Yeah, so then the two other um, berberine-rich uh, herbs are golden seal and Oregon grapefruit. And then quercetin itself, uh, actually one of the main sources is from onions, um, and that's probably why the onion syrup recipe is such a, uh, a successful treatment for colds and coughs of mucus production uh, as for being an antibacterial. Um, the quercetin is the flavonoid that's extracted by the sugars. If you slice your onion up into slices and put each uh, layer of sugar on each slice and let the osmotic potential uh, of the sugar pull out the liquids from the onion, uh, will actually remove most of the quercetin uh, and make a syrup. And then nettles and pomegranate are both um, good sources of quercetin, uh, orange juice, obviously. And then resveratrol has received a lot of attention, uh, it's certainly in the alternative world as a dietary supplement, um, from Japanese knotweed of all plants and grape skins, both of those two high sources uh, of this compound, resveratrol. Uh, and the Japanese pagoda tree that um, people know as sophra, sophra japonica, both the flowers and the fruits uh, are very high in resveratrol. And then there was a compound called terastilbene, uh, which has been reported to inhibit mTOR uh, when applied to isolated cells in culture. Um, and the tenet was that this stilbenoid chemical related to resveratrol uh, found in almonds, blueberries, huckleberries, cranberries, red grapes, grape uh red grapes mainly and cocoa uh, and then the last thing i wanted to mention from a uh herbal medicine perspective is a compound called physetin um and this again another flavonoid uh, found in very good concentrations in apples strawberries and persimmons of all things uh is used and has been used successfully in the treatment of melanoma and non-melanoma skin cancers uh by its regulation of sirtuin i know dr pete's talked um previously in several shows about sirtuin uh how this can improve your cell health and counteract the effects of aging so yeah those uh, particular compounds flavonoids certainly the thing where i think the tenor of your five servings of fruit and vegetables comes from is very much based in very good science and principally for the reason of the substances known as flavonoids that are found richly in them um, Dr. Pete, from a calorie restriction perspective and a dietary perspective that would be useful in being a low mTOR diet that would still allow um, growth. I mean, I know, you've, I know you say that when you're young, you need all these calories, uh, you need the fats and you need lots of protein, um, you know, because you're differentiating and you're growing, but you don't need it and it's actually counterproductive when you get older. But how do you not turn into a walking skeleton as it were by having a you know what would be fairly uh, appealing to some groups of people with a very low calorie restriction fasting mentality um you know looking at hindu barbers and eating very little food and living to supposedly old age a great old age as a result of what seems to be a direct impact on mTOR and that's something I'd like you to uh, discuss especially with relation I know you mentioned that the milk um, contains um, parathyroid hormone blocking uh, elements and calcium that support milk's use even though it is fairly high in methionine but what do you think about calorie restriction and fasting and a, and a diet that would be conducive for suppressing mTOR? Uh, I don't think calorie restriction it is necessary. <clears throat> what slows down uh, the metabolic rate uh, after 20, uh, the rate of metabolism is uh, only a fraction of what it was in childhood, uh, and then it uh, continues falling. 
uh, with age, especially uh, after the mid-40s, it's all downhill in metabolic rate. But the reason for that is the accumulation of polyunsaturated fats, primarily, uh, that uh, shift our metabolism to prefer the oxidation of fat uh, rather than sugar, rather than glucose. Uh, And if you are oxidizing glucose at a high rate, uh, the resulting carbon dioxide is our basic anti-inflammatory substance. Uh, So the uh, aim of all of this is to prevent the shift towards uh, oxidizing fatty acids away from oxidizing glucose. Uh, If you look at the metabolism of uh, uh, the degenerative diseases, especially uh, diabetes, for example, the essence of diabetes is that you can't oxidize glucose, uh, and so you oxidize uh, uh, fat instead, uh, resulting in uh, the the, uh, breakdown of glucose to lactic acid instead of carbon dioxide, uh, and a whole coordinated change. Lactic acid, for example, uh, activates mTOR, and uh, so the shift to oxidizing fat uh, which lots of people have been uh, trying to achieve uh, with the idea that uh, you, you can prevent uh, aging, obesity, and so on. But it happens that fat people ha- tend to be uh, oxidizing a higher proportion of uh, fatty acids than uh, glucose. Uh, so you want to uh, do the opposite of, of diabetes. Uh, cancer is the same. Uh, you fail to uh, oxidize glucose and instead oxidize uh, uh, fatty acids, uh, leading to inflammation. Uh, and instead of inhibiting mTOR with carbon dioxide, uh, you activate it with lactic acid. Uh, and uh, so, uh, if you can keep uh, away from the stress that causes you to oxidize uh, uh, the uh, uh, fatty acids preferentially. Uh, uh, When you're uh, oxidizing uh, uh, the uh, alternatives to to glucose, uh, you are uh, tending to support uh, the secretion of growth hormone and uh, the... uh, mTOR complex 1, which is responsive to all of the uh, rapamycin-type inhibitors, uh, the complex 2 is insensitive uh, to rapamycin and is under the influence of growth hormone primarily. Uh, And so uh, uh, increasing your growth hormone as a result of stress or inability to oxidize glucose is turning on the other half of the mTOR complex. I wanted to give out the phone number again. I'm amazed we don't have callers because this yeah. is truly fascinating, 923-3911. And since you're not calling in, uh, how much glutathione would be too much in a day? And could you please list some protein sources similar to milk so that you could get a good dose of, of protein that you need without it uh, pushing your mTOR up too much? I, I, I think um, calcium is what makes the big difference between milk and other proteins. So a bone broth sort of thing would be a better... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, the gelatin, uh, naturally extracted gelatin like uh, chicken skin and bone broth uh, with, with fat skimmed off, uh, that contains a very low level of methionine. Uh, and, so and it contains the um, amino acid glycine, which has lots of other health benefits. So not only is it deficient in the mTOR-stimulating amino acids, glutathione and methionine, it's um, also pure glycine practically. 
And how much glutathione? Because I know some people, including myself, actually take some supplemental glutathione as a liver antioxidant. Uh, I, I, is I that a bad idea? Any, it's a reductant, and any of the reduced intracellular materials, partly on the way to reaching the cell, they are likely to be oxidized by stray iron or copper atoms, and so uh, produce toxic things uh, in the bloodstream before they ever get to the cell. Uh, but uh, the, if you uh, increase the reductive balance of cells, uh, you're putting them in the worst kind of stress. Uh, uh, the aging degenerative uh, condition, uh, glutathione is the cell's uh, a major uh, anti-free radical uh, detoxifying agent. But to add it uh, as a food uh, is very risky, uh, and I think uh, almost 100% likely to be harmful rather than helpful. Okay, well, thank you for that. I think um, the engineer saying what he said has prompted people to call in. I think they really did want to just listen and not be uh, spending time. But, hey, we've got a caller on the air. Let's take a caller. Where are you from? What's your question? Hi, I'm from Queens, New York. Um, I have an off-topic question. Okay. Um, I would like to know, Dr. Pete, uh, what is your opinion on wisdom tooth extractions and, and root canals? Okay, Dr. Peter, did you hear that okay? Uh, no, what was the question? He was questioning what your opinion on wisdom tooth extraction and root canals was. Uh, oh, uh, I don't have anything about root canals. If the, if the pulp is infected, it's probably good to, uh, uh, clear, to put in a, a safe filling material like calcium hydroxide and uh, then let the immune system take over when you've... I cleaned out the infection, but uh, I, I don't think it's good to pull any tooth that uh, isn't an ongoing, like if there's an infection that you can't uh, clear up with a root canal. Uh, I think a good model of why it's something to avoid is if you pull a molar of a rat, giving it cognitive tests before the extraction and after, they lose cognitive ability just from the extraction of one molar because the brain is participating everywhere in the body. If you knock out muscle tension with Botox, for example, you've altered the brain and affected cognitive abilities. Uh, you can't really separate body metabolism from brain, brain metabolism. And so uh, the brain is involved in everything that goes on. And the, the more you can uh, let the brain be responsible uh, for governing uh, the immune system, uh, controlling the balance of inflammation and uh, anti-inflammation, uh, the better it is for the brain. Okay, so um, Pete, weren't you? Oh, sorry, is there another caller? Uh, no, uh, I think I was going to ask, like, um, what if, uh, like, well, I currently have a wisdom tooth that's, uh, that has a really big cavity in it, and I, I don't know if the dentist will let me. Dentists just don't like to fill cavities in wisdom teeth. Uh, it's so easy to extract them. But if you have a, if you can control the pain by scraping out the decayed material and just sticking in a temporary so-called filling, uh, for example, zinc and eugenol makes a, a plastic that hardens and is very easy to handle and reduces pain and stops infection. Uh, so your wisdom tooth probably isn't uh, doing any biting work, uh, and the temporary filling uh, probably would take care of it. Um, how do you uh, 
How do you uh, clean it out? Uh, uh, a dental tool to uh, break off in any pulpy uh, brown material, scrape it until it's hard. Uh, 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 a drill can, can be used, but uh, just a, a steel probe to, to scrape the tooth. Uh, in the case of uh, doing a, a wisdom tooth uh, that you aren't going to be using for chewing, uh, then you can put the eugenol uh, zinc uh, filling in uh, to control the pain and infection. Uh, out of interest, uh, we found a very uh, a very good holistic dentist in uh, Oregon uh, who we've been seeing for a while now uh, who doesn't use injections. Okay, folks, I, I've, I've had a lot of dental work, unfortunately. It's, it's the one area in my life where I've had a lot of weakness, uh, fortunately the only area. Um, he doesn't use injections to numb anything before he does a cavity and um, I've had uh, two dental uh, cavities done with him without injection and I'm amazed that all these years I've been subjected to probably brutal, brutal, ignorant dentists who just want to cover their backs by not having the skill uh, to gently work on the patient's mouth. Um, anyway, so I think I need to wrap up the show. Um, I would I'd encourage you to find a good holistic or naturopathic dentist because they will take you on board as a patient and deal respectfully and kindly with you and not in a brutal, uh, mechanistic way that all doctors... I think, no, not all, I can't say that. Some doctors and some dentists uh, go for as a badge of honour and brutally work on you because you can't feel a thing. So I'd encourage you to find a naturopathic uh, dentist in New York. Um, just an aside there, we found a very good one in Oregon. Dr. Tanner is his name, and he's in Medford, Oregon, folks. If any of you are listening and uh, you're in the Medford area, uh, Dr. Tanner, uh, excellent, excellent guy, a very, very spiritually-minded, holistic dentist. Maybe he'd like to be an underwriter on Kmart. <laughs> Maybe. So thank you so much for your time, Dr. P. I'll just put out, add somebody else call in, wanted contact information, so let me get that um, to okay, them. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, so for people who've uh, listened to the show and not called in, um, Dr. P., can be reached at www.rayypeat.com has a website full of articles about many different subjects and as I mentioned fully referenced scientific articles based in science uh, not you know this is it's not f opinion it's science um, so he's a good source of information there on the website and he's written articles and does do a newsletter um, we can both be reached at www.westernbotanicalmedicine.com and uh, for the last poof, 12 years, 13 years now Dr. Pete's been kindly giving his time on the third Friday of each month on kmud.org in Garberville, California uh, so until the third Friday of March, uh, wish you all the very best and we'll be beginning the March equinox uh, again at that time. Um, so until the third Friday of next month, uh, wish you all the very best and the audio archive, like I said, on kmud.org under Friday Night Talk uh, is where you could access this evening's show uh, and download it. It also has the uh, January show. I don't think it has December's. I think they're just two months. Uh, and and I think we should be lobbying the management to keep I them know, on a little longer always, because they used to be there for you, two years. Yeah, so. yeah, well, more than that even. And I don't know why. I mean, doesn't a computer have a big enough brain to store 10,000 years' worth of shows? I don't get it. Anyway, um, to all those who've listened, uh, I hope that you are able to do your own research and to follow up what we talked about with mTOR uh, and understand where Dr. Pete comes from. comes from a very innocuous, harmless, first-do-no-harm background. Um, very talented, very capable, uh, and a lot of people have had a lot of success following his advice. So until the third Friday of next month, uh, good night. Thank you for listening. Good night.